Split Tube Media and a Synesthesia Podcast present a special daily October podcast. Hell, 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 hell. to the king, king, king. Jason, have you read Stephen King's books? Have you read Stephen King's books? Books, 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 books. King movie, a Stephen King movie. Stephen King movie. King. Movie a Stephen King movie. I have done my best to scare the shit out of you guys. <laughs> so this one's going to be Enter the Series plus Carrie and the Shining. Yeah. This one might get a little baggy. But also, I feel like dispensing with... Well, I'll just save it for... Um, I'll intro it and then we can talk. Yeah. Okay. Welcome to Synesthesia, a special Split-Tooth Media Daily Edition for the month of October. Uh, I'm saying all that presuming we've just played an audio intro uh, with the title of this special daily series, Hell to the King, which is a series of, I hope, 31 episodes in which uh, I, Jason Mikelich, and my partner, Jim Hickox, tackle the filmography of Mr. Stephen King. Sorry, Jason, who is that? Uh, He is an American Mm, of letters. Oh, all right. Uh, He's written some books... Some non-fiction books, mm. uh, but mostly fiction books. Okay. I'm familiar with fiction, less with books. Books. He's pretty... I, he's... He, people read him. Okay, all right. Like, he he is... You know, he's around. Jason, have you read Stephen King's books? I have read some of Stephen King's books. Okay. Um, I've read enough to be familiar with his general style... Okay. And some of his uh, idiosyncratic interests. Okay. But I'm not well read in Stephen King. He's not somebody I have not read most of the movie. We're going to be going from uh, Carrie through to you know if if this were the remake of Carrie uh, <laughs> from Carrie to Carrie. Uh, that actually it, that was the alternate title from Carrie to Carrie. <laughs> Uh, but uh, from, from Carrie to maybe the remake of it, I don't know if we're going to touch remakes. Well, but we're going to be talking about movies made from Stephen King books, and occasionally a movie made by Stephen King himself. We're going to be doing this for October because October is the month that you celebrate the creepy and the spooky and the Halloweeny. I've heard the kids uh, are calling it the King of Months. The King of Months. Yeah. yeah, this is he. He's this is the King of Months, and Stephen King is the King of Stevens. So we're we're. I'm saying this right now. We're trying. We're gonna we're gonna do 31 episodes, one for every day in October. Uh, we're not recording this intro later after we've like finished the project and know nope. what's coming out. 
Uh, we're putting it all on the line right now. We might totally not succeed, mm-hmm. and then this is just going to make us sound like idiots. We're doing it the but, risky way. Yeah, but this is that's this is the project that we're embarking on. We're embarking on it right at the beginning, right here. Uh, we're we're going to do generally one film an episode, but sometimes we're going to double up. Today, in fact, is one of those times we're going to double up. Um, but uh, first, let us get a little baseline on what it is we're interested in with Stephen King. Why we want to talk about him, other than just he's the he's the the you know big dog in. Uh, horror, he's the name everybody knows he's the, he's the spooky guy here's Jason, a, a thing here's where I'm coming from is that there's, I, some people would say this is a weakness, but I'm saying it's an interesting perspective, which is that I have read absolutely zero words that Stephen King has ever written uh, okay. I have driven by his house, I have been to a playground that bears his name because he paid for it, I've listened Did to you- his band and I've Drive seen, by his house on purpose? Yeah, it's one of the sites in Bangor. If you're hanging out in Bangor, Maine, uh, there are eight things to do. One of them is to go to the pizza place where you buy one pizza and get two free. I've done that a bunch of times. Uh, one of them is to drive by Stephen King's house and look at his funny fence. It has bats on it. Do um, lots of people drive by his house? I think people who are in Bangor for some reason and have 45 minutes to kill probably do, yeah. No wonder he got hit by a car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, people cruising. People cruising by. I'm uh, sorry, that felt like a better joke before I said it. Now I just feel sad. Oh, I thought you were just saying it. I No, I think it's... Uh, yeah. Well, I think what's interesting is that that guy who hit him then died mysteriously in the hospital. Yeah, uh, no, as, some, as other people have said, he got hit by one of his own characters. Yeah. So so I've, I've read nothing. I have seen... I looked through your list of all of the films, the potential films, and I've seen nine. Okay, I've seen, there's, there's a list. We're, there's doing this, we're doing this the real way. A hundred films. I've seen nine of them. Uh, I think they're all genius, and I'm coming into this with the perspective that it's not possible to make a bad Stephen King movie. Yeah, so that is, uh, as we've come to expect here on Synesthesia from Jim... Uh, not <laughs> not the conventional wisdom. Um, Is that not the general uh, idea that all of his movies are brilliant? Uh, I I personally am coming from the point of view, and I don't know that my point of view is the is also the conventional wisdom, or or is uh, is also maybe a field. I'm gonna say that most of the movies made from Stephen King's books are bad. Hmm. Hmm. Um, now, I'm saying this not having seen most of them. I see. But just having a general sense of them growing up, um, they don't seem like winners. <laughs> and I don't think that most people generally consider them to be genuinely good. See, that um, feels crazy to me. So, as you said, there's a lot of movies. Yes. Uh, and even if we successfully make 31 episodes mm-hmm. dealing with one or more movies every episode I don't think we're actually going to get through everything that has Stephen King's name on it of course uh, so we've, we've made some cuts some rules uh, we're not in general going to deal with uh, long miniseries so we're not doing the stand <laughs> um, which would take probably the entirety of October in and of itself uh, we're not going to do sequels to movies based on Stephen King books when the sequel themselves is not actually based on 
well, CD course, material. It's like extrapolation as a new film. Uh, in, in general, we're not going to do remake. We might make an exception okay. for the new It okay. and the new Pet Cemetery, only because they came out this year. Sure. But eh, we'll, we'll see. We, we'll, we'll see when we get there. Well, when, also, when we, we might have 31 days and decide we can't like a, stop, you know? That's true. We might just keep going into the into the darkness. Yeah, who knows? Um, but as of right now, we're going to start in 1976 with Carrie. It's the night of the senior prom. The Bates High School gym is alive with excitement. Everybody is there, even Carrie White, the girl no one likes. Oh, sorry about this incident, Cassie. It's Carrie! And everyone makes fun of her. The girl who lives in that creepy house with her crazy mother. See the sin of her days and ways. Show her that if she had remained sinless, the curse of blood would never have come on her. The girl with the strange power. If I concentrate hard enough, I can move things. But tonight, no one will laugh at Carrie. If you don't have a date to the prom next Friday, would you like to go with me? She's with the best-looking boy in the senior class. He's trying to trick me again. She'll be voted queen of the prom. You know, I can make sure that you don't hurt Carrie White anymore. For Carrie, it will be a dream come true. For everyone else, it will be a nightmare. (laughs) Carrie. A new film by Brian De Palma. Based on the chilling bestseller. Starring Sissy Spacey, Piper Laurie, and introducing John Travolta in his first motion picture role. If you have a taste for terror, you have a date with Carrie. The first film made from a Stephen King book made from his first book to be published. Really? I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, that was the book that 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 launched him. That was okay. the one that, uh, I think, if memory serves, the legend being that, you know, Tabitha encouraged him to, to keep writing while he was teaching. And, Good for her. Uh, it made it into the hands of somebody at, uh, at whatever publisher who had a, a sense of what they had and it came out and became a bestseller and I'm bored then now. He, I'm bored know, with started this story. snowballing into the Stephen King that we know today. I so this movie I'm glad it's our first movie because it uh I'm mean, first of all, great. It's a great movie. Uh second of all, um it is it is written by a guy named Lawrence Cohen who isn't Larry Cohen the famous producer I had to look that up because I got excited yeah, for a second um, when I was rewatching it I, I almost uh, yeah yeah I was like what Lawrence Cohen oh that's not Larry uh, but, but I think this movie so I've seen a few of these films and I'm coming into this with a few baseline assumptions about what makes a Stephen King movie a Stephen King movie, right? One is there's like a strong sense of uh, morality in them. But, but the more exciting things for me are 
uh, I'm assuming that as we go through this process, we're going to hit roughly a 50% rate of films having psychics in them, uh, or, or some kind of psychic activity. I'm counting this one, for sure. Uh, okay, so you, I, you count, like, telekinesis. And, yeah, any kind of, like, brains. Like, I'm also going to count Firestarter. Anything where people's brains are causing physical things to happen in the world, I'm counting as psychics. Um... Jim, my brain causes physical things to happen in the world every Through your day. hands. It's different. Uh, <laughs> th- the other thing is that I... There are two sort of general assumptions I have about Stephen King movies based on the ones that I've seen, and they are these two things. One is that there's always some kind of... Uh, some kind of metaphysical or like spiritual or like there's some kind of thing that makes it like a like a ghost story right there's like in so in the example of carrie she is she has some kind of telekinetic powers but also that doesn't have anything to do with the actual movie and i think that that is a thing a runner through these stephen king things and i also think that in stephen king films no one lies to anyone uh he's never hiding anything from the audience all of these movies, near the beginning, someone is like, here's what's going to happen, and then it does. <laughs> okay, okay. Those are so my it, baselines. Yeah, I mean, so so Carrie is a good baseline. We're also going to try to talk about The Shining in this first episode. Just not mm-hmm. these big... I, you know, the, the Carrie and The Shining are, you know, considered American classics. People mm-hmm. have talked mm-hmm. about them from every direction. They, they don't need our attention like some of the yeah. lesser-known films in You've the, all seen in these the movies. filmography. You have opinions um, about them. Our, our goal this month is to force ourselves to talk about some of the ones that nobody even remembers got made, that we've never seen, and that are lurking out there with Stephen yeah. King's blood in them. Yeah. Like The Mangler. Yeah. Or uh, Cat's Eye. I've never heard of that. Yeah. Uh, so, but, so we're going to hit Karen Shining, the two big dogs, Brian De Palma, and Stanley Kubrick right. to, you know, Both very well-respected well respected, uh, American directors. Um, but, but talking about Carrie first, um, where, where do you feel like this starts us off on your thesis? I think it, it is a clear example of all of them. It's, it's a film about a bullied young woman who's tortured during a prom, or leading up to and during a prom. Um, and if the film ended with her... C- c- going home and being mad or writing letters or uh, or god forbid sh- shooting someone during that prom scene it would be the same film but instead she knocks things over and sets the place on fire with her brain uh, right. okay so so I, I I maybe was not clear uh, <laughs> I I meant your thesis about oh, uh, good, bad movies. whether they're good or bad it's great it's a great movie it's a great movie Okay. Um, so obviously with the the plot elements and all of that, it, it's going to fit with that because this is the baseline. This is where sure. you know Stephen King starts. This is what he's interested in. Of course. Um, I so so I rewatched Carrie for this, mm-hmm. um, and I'm not going to be the the you know self satisfied iconoclast who says that it's a bad movie. Sure. But I don't love it. Okay. I mean, um, I, th- I think surely, certainly Brian De Palma has made better movies. <laughs> well, so I'm not... Uh, well, okay. Yes, but only because he made one with Nicolas Cage in it. <laughs> I'm not a De Palma fan. Sure. And that is my cross to bear as uh, a film person. 
Yeah. That's that's what makes me awkward at parties. Yeah. Um, for sure. I see. I'm gonna come. I'm gonna say Brandon Palma has six really good movies. What are they? Uh, oh boy, you're really gonna call me out, huh? Well, obviously Snake Eyes. Um, uh, 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 th- th- I, th- I think. Hold on, I have to look them up now. Now that you've <laughs> made me say it, there's uh, Phantom of the Paradise is amazing. Um, I'll, I'll give you that one. That's maybe two. Maybe he has Phantom two really incredible movies. Um, those are the only ones I can think of. <laughs> I'm sure there are other ones that I still haven't seen that are worthwhile. And I'm not. Hmm. No, I'm looking it. through the list. Those are I the really good it. ones. That's it. That's. <laughs> <laughs> It just drives me nuts. And I was watching Carrie and all of the shit. Like, how many scenes really need a diopter? <laughs> Every like, scene how needs many a split need diopter, Jason. Everything. <laughs> and just the... Uh, his obsession with technique. Sure. And sure. the just sleaziness of it. but with But not in a... I don't know. I might be reacting in some way to the latter-day classic status of this film. Because sure. I feel like if this was a film that nobody liked, yes. it was just some trashy thing that yes. you, know, you found behind the couch, mm-hmm. I would watch it and be like, oh, wow, this was made by somebody with a pulse. This is fun. And I think that's the only way you can watch De Palma <laughs> and, and appreciate him. I think if you watch De Palma and think, oh, this is a movie people like, you're going to get mad. <laughs> I think if you come into a De Palma movie and you're like, no one else has heard of this, it's just a thing that was underneath a floorboard, you'll be like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> and he obviously in some way wants you to think about his films that way, right? Like he has that that opening in the locker room that's just the perviest yes. thing anybody's oh, ever yeah. shot. Yeah. And then he, in, in Blow Up, or blow out rather yeah. another movie that everybody loves that mm-hmm. I'm not crazy about. Sure, he makes fun of that scene in the opening scene by having a couple of sleazy movie filmmakers oh, that's making funny. Sh- editing together a scene in a woman's locker room. That's funny. Um, so like he obviously hates himself. So I don't need to. Hate <laughs> yeah, him. you don't have to. It it does feel like Carrie is coming out of a a more slashery tradition. Um. Well, but which is interesting, right? Because it's 1976, and so there is no slasher tradition yet. Well, uh... There's the the nascent development of uh, sort of slasher ideas. Yeah. But uh, there's just not that much... I I guess that's true. The most interesting thing about the movie to me is... It jives with what you were saying, is that for most of the movie, it's just a movie about teenagers. Yes. Like it's just people. Like maybe my one of my oh, definitely one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie is when the guys go to rent tuxes and it just turns into this total goofball. Oh yeah, like scene, and then he speeds up the camera. Yeah, it's super weird. And it's just it's yeah, it's just so dumb, but it's so enjoyable. Yeah, and it's I don't know, and I I so so. I'm. I don't think that you've been proven wrong. I'm not going to say that we're we're right out the gate. That, sure. Uh, you know, obviously, it's a well-made movie. It's a sure. good movie. Um, decent. Carrie is decent. It's you know I, I I I have a grudge against it. That's fair. I do love Piper Laurie in it. Yeah, and oh, I, I do remember hearing an interview down. with her. 
where she talked about how she just thought the script was ridiculous. See, now that's and another so example. And she decided to just completely go over the top because she didn't respect the project that she was in. In our last episode, we were talking about actors who who push their character to be a, a creature that would exist within the world of an outlandish film. And I think Piper Laurie is doing exactly that in Carrie. Yeah. She's yes. looking at the script, she's seeing what it is, and she's saying, I'm gonna, even if she's doing it in a way that she feels like she's making fun of the project, she's, she's still sort of pushing her character into being a thing that can exist in that space. <laughs> Oh yeah, I think she's uh, making and, the most artistically responsible decision. And in the movie, uh, it anybody in sells it a hundred percent. You're like, oh, this woman is crazy. Yeah, I think she sees what that movie is. Yeah. more than anyone. Yes, and I think that's. Uh, a big, I think if she and Sissy Spacek, I think both kind of push that movie. I think if you would cast worse actors as both of those people, that movie would have been forgotten immediately. Oh yeah, yeah, and I can think of at least one later movie in our in our run that if I'm remembering it correctly uh, we'll see when I rewatch it that well, we're we're going to run into some exact examples of you know oh if this film had had people in it oh interesting uh, you know maybe it would have been something yeah uh, I just wanted to read this to you real quick this um, was uh, all over the internet uh, a little while back uh, at least the film parts of the internet did you read uh, Paul you Schrader's Netflix? Facebook you mean post Netflix maybe. Uh, about Brian De Palma. Mm, I, don't I believe remember. he's deleted no. it since then, but I, I, remember no. I, I screenshotted it when okay. it happened. When he uh, he wrote, "Don't get me started on Brian De Palma. I rewatched Redacted last night because thought that given total artistic freedom, he could reach for the stars, and he did. But the stars were beyond his reach. <laughs> the script is trite." It is weak. That's because Brian is trite. Brian is artistically weak. Skate fast on thin ice. That's his story. That's his con. <laughs> wow. And I'm not a huge Paul Schrader fan yeah. either, but goddamn. I know, those are like extra harsh words from Paul Schrader, who is fine. Yeah, but he's got he's got Brian's number opinions. Yeah, oh yeah, Um, Yeah, he's not inaccurate. No, skate fast on thin ice. I'm curious Uh, what the movie was that he rewatched. No, redacted is the name of the movie. Oh, I thought you were redacting. All right, he was redacting the name of the movie. (laughs) That'd be amazing. She just wouldn't say what it was. Yeah. I feel like that would actually be the worst thing you could do. Yeah. I watched yeah, some De Palma movie. Movie. like, which one? Yeah. Maybe it was one I hated, too. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, um, I will, however, I'm going to keep going to bat for Snake Eyes and, uh, and Phantom of the Paradise. So. Oh, 100%. Those are, those are beautiful movies. Yeah. Let's switch gears a little bit. I mean, we barely talked about Shining. That's the whole point of this. We're going to switch to The Shining. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, The Shining is a movie that I do love. Sure. Um, I, <laughs> Stanley Kubrick also only has six really great movies, but that's only because he made six <laughs> movies. Uh, so, uh, what, where, where, where are you at on The, on the Shining? I, I really like The Shining. I, again, I think it's... I think there are other... Uh, 
th- th- there are other of his movies that I like more, but I do. I think The Shining is a good movie. Which one's coming up? Are you gonna like more than The Shining? Well, oh no, no, no! Sorry, or I do you want to tell Kubrick? Me? I went. I like. Oh, other I Kubrick. think you had kids. I think you're seeing. <laughs> I could because this is the. I mean, we haven't done the whole watch. There's lots and lots of these that I yeah, haven't yeah. watched. Maybe I'm gonna find a gem. But I mean, I will. The say, Shining is the best movie that could possibly be made from a Stephen King book. See, that, I don't I know mean, if I agree with that. Okay. Because I will say, so I, I'm just flipping through the nine that I've seen, and I feel like this is maybe a cheat, but I feel like the thing that is like the purest and best distillation of Stephen King is Maximum Overdrive, and I think we can talk about that when we get there. <laughs> we will talk about that when we get there. Yeah. And you might be right. It might be the purest distillation of, uh, of Stephen King, mm-hmm. uh, at least in his cocaine period. Yeah. But and I think, I think in, by some measures, it is a better Stephen King movie. <laughs> So that, that, so that brings up this, the the question. We used to have this argument when I was a kid. Not you and me, but like I used to have this argument with friends when I was a kid about uh, Batman movies mm-hmm. and about whether you could determine which ones were better movies mm-hmm. versus which ones were better, worse movies, but better Batman, better Batman movies. movies. Sure. Uh, and I wonder, can we can we talk about whether something's a better Stephen King movie versus a better movie? Because Stephen King himself... Famously, he Kubrick's right. Shining. Of course. Kubrick was going to make the horror movie that was going to be the benchmark horror movie, the one by which other horror movies adjust, and he didn't really know the, the feel, and he didn't take any time to educate himself in the feel, so that I think that might be a failure of Kubrick's. Then, I think, I don't know if he paid for it, but he, like, worked his influence to have it remade yeah. the way he wanted it made uh, for television in the 90s. I may I don't want to do remakes, but I feel like maybe we should watch that one. That just might so be a thing we should watch. Yeah, what Stephen King wanted The Shining, the movie, to look like. The major thing I've seen this several times. Not the film. I've seen the film several times, but several times in recent years, I've seen people hot taking or whatever uh, that they don't like the, the Shining, and I think it's all people who read Stephen King and are like well read in him. So that might be part of why. Uh, not like they've absorbed his opinion, but like they are hoping for a more accurate adaptation of aspects of the book or something. But the Mm -hmm. main concern I've seen amongst those people is that at the beginning of the movie, Jack Torrance is already kind of nuts. Uh, And they want it to be a movie about a man's descent, which when you're just watching the movie for the movie, that's not what it's about. Uh, And so I think that they, the main concern I see from some people who don't like it is that they want it to be a different movie, which maybe that's that's generally people's complaint about a given movie. Sure. But I yeah well I so so I can sympathize with King to a certain extent because Kubrick is Kubrick and he did make Stanley Kubrick's The Shining sure as opposed to Stephen King's The Shining but that's um, what you should do when you're adapting a film it is uh, although I I yeah no it, it absolutely is I used to have the opinion that you had a responsibility to translate the core of the work if not the uh, the strict letter. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I believe that anymore. Well, also, like, um, what is but the I would, core? I would hope that a filmmaker would be attracted to adapting a work because something about the core and it spoke to their interests. Well, certainly some aspect of it, right? I don't know that it... 
I don't know. I, if I were adapting a book and it was like, ah, oh, the core message is that you should really love your dog, but there's a bunch of stuff in the movie that really resonates with me. Uh, f- side note, I don't care about your dog. Um, <laughs> then, like, I would adapt it without that core message, but I would, the other things that resonate with me, I would focus on. And I imagine that that's how this film was made, you know? Like, whatever. Yeah, when, that, and I guess that's what I mean by the core. I don't mean, like, the one line message, but I, I mean, see. like, the. Just some the, aspect. The, the, that the is movie powerful. Should, should vibrate with the you know source material in some sure. way. I don't, I don't know that that's actually that important. Um, you know, I, I've 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 lived a lot of movie life since I used to really care about that. <laughs> sure. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's. I think you just said it was it was maybe Kubrick's best film, and I think I might agree with you. Oh, I didn't um, say that. Oh, you didn't say that. No, I said the opposite of that. Oh no, that's right. You said it wasn't your favorite. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, so you agree with me? <laughs> no, um, I, I, so I don't I, think I the movie be, made Kubrick worse. If that's what you're saying, I I used to be a huge Kubrick fanboy. Okay, um, and as I've gotten older, his movies have held less allure for me. Sure, um, some combination of. of becoming interested in other aspects of filmmaking and film art and maybe over familiarity uh, wh- whatever the reasons are mm-hmm. um, I, I sort of I see limitations in them that I didn't see before sure um, his over intellectualization his, his sort of knee jerk alien coldness to yeah. everything yeah, yeah. Um, but the, the Shining is the one I can always I can come back to at any time it never I, I, it's never weak to me um, and I, I do I, I get the people who say that like oh you know at the, the beginning of it Jack's already nuts and part of that's because he cast Jack Nicholson and Jack Nicholson is always already nuts well but also um, that's just what the it's a movie about about a sort of crazy man who's a horrible father like that's what the yeah, movie's it, about it, it isn't a movie about it may be a book I, that's one of the King books I haven't read sure. it may be a book about a man descending into madness yeah. through external influences knowing King a bit I don't think that's probably what the book's about sure. I think that that character is probably bringing his own uh, his own downfall in with him uh, in one would imagine yeah um, especially since it's being written by a man who is descending into <laughs> addiction as he's you know yeah, for sure working on it. Uh, so but but the movie absolutely is not about a man who descends into something you know spurred by external forces it's yeah. about a man who comes into his own as what he has always been yes um yeah exactly it's, yeah. he like f- realizes his own final form he achieves yeah. something he's been working towards unintentionally you know yeah. and it's it's a movie about uh, the rest of his family having to live with him yes oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and again um, just to loop back to this idea his son is a psychic. That doesn't matter to the plot. <laughs> that is the one bit that, like, I think I, I can never decide whether I love or hate the <laughs> use of Scatman. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, it's, Scatman Crothers is like, oh, you're a psychic. I'm also a psychic. And then later he's like, oh, those guys are in trouble. And he shows up and dies immediately. It, it's yeah. You could cut yeah. all of that out of that movie. You it could be like the psychic thing, unnecessary not to the plot, but it yeah. does create this weird. 
it, it creates like a, a strange little oasis of not exactly goofiness, mm-hmm. but like just it's weird. Yeah, it's just like and a I weird like side story. I like that it's vestigial. I like that mm-hmm. it definitely it's pointing towards. I'm sure way more developed stuff in, in the, the King book, and I'm sure it's one of the things that like King fans would be annoyed about that this is what happened to this storyline and etc. Well, but see now like, I'm. I'm I'm coming to this project having only seen the films, and (laughs) as far as I can recall, this is going to be a runner through a lot of these films, where there's some kind of supernatural activity, but it is a fully vestigial, which feels to me either like people all adapt Stephen King novels in a similar way, or like that's just how Stephen King writes things. Okay, so I'm going to posit two things here, and again, it's based on either not having seen a lot of these movies or not having seen them in a long time. Sure. Except for the ones that I like and I've, I've rewatched because I like them. Mm-hmm. Um, th- there's two things that I think have happened historically with uh, King adaptations. And this, might, this might be a good you know, place to, to end here for sure. uh, for this first episode. I'll, yeah. I'll put this out there like and you tell me what weeks. you think about it. Yeah. Um, one of the things is, to your, to your second point first, Yes, people adapt King movies. Certainly in the 80s, they adapt them very similarly yeah. because everybody was chasing Carrie success. Mm-hmm. Not The Shining because even, you know, hacks know that they can't do that. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. W- w- one of the things that's so wonderful about The Shining is how singular it is and how how you know, its own thing it is, even while also very much being a Stephen King movie, it is still a Kubrick movie. It's Absolutely. This, it's a beautiful little gem. And it, it's, you know, no, nobody can replicate that. Yeah. But Carrie is full of a lot of different things that you can do. Oh, for um, sure. But the, the dream sequence at the end of Carrie is something that later King filmmakers use all the time. Mm-hmm. Even though it's not... I mean, that, that dream sequence isn't in the book, and the dream sequences later on aren't in the King books. It's just something... It's a. It's, a, it's just an easy way to jump a, through a trope of 60 pages Steve. of novel. Yeah. Well, so that, and that brings me to the other thing, which I think is the bigger point, is that King is not... He's... You know, I, I don't want to overstate the case. Mm-hmm. He's not a great artist. You know, he, he's not... An, a great novelist. Like, he, he's not going to go down as one of the, the genuine, you know, masters or anything like that. But he's also not a hack. Sure. He's not John Grisham. He's not even Michael Crichton, mm-hmm. um, who is, you know, already leagues above John Grisham. Mm-hmm. King is, for all of his commercial success and for all of his commercial instincts and habits, he is a real writer and he is often in my memory of it again I haven't read any of these books in a long long time but what I remember about the books is that a lot of them are very internal a lot of them deal with characters and how they're feeling and how they're thinking about things and one of the good things about a king book is you spend a lot of time with these characters with him building them up as people so that when the horror starts you are invested interesting and that's something that, first of all, film has a very difficult time doing mm-hmm. in order to create a genuine internal landscape for a character on film. You have to already almost be a genius. Um, and it's something so it, it's something that film already does 
poorly. So like even in The Shining, Kubrick is is cutting out a lot of stuff that King wrote because a lot of that stuff is just all internal feelings and reactions. So that's not going to be in his film. So a lot of the, the depth or complexity of what King cared about is in what these characters are thinking and feeling about things, and what Kubrick's interested in is what's happening that you can look at. Sure. Um, so like on, on the end of, of a real artist doing it, it's going to be like that. When you get down to the just like journeymen and the hacks making films, they don't know how to build characters. They don't know how to make films where you really give a shit about people. So they're going to take the plots from the books. But the plots, when you actually strip away all that other stuff, are pretty thin. Hmm. You know, he, he strings along kind of a skeleton plot that he's interested in, and, and a lot of the different things, like you said, like the psychic stuff and the monster stuff, are kind of incidental to what it is he cares about, which is writing about these people and what they feel and what they think about. Interesting. And so when you strip all that stuff away, you end up with a plot that doesn't make a whole movie. So then, if you don't have the talent to go back in and, and create these characters, then you're just gonna dump in a bunch of gore scenes or some weird dream sequences or other stuff that just amps it up movie-wise that has nothing to do with what made a King book a King book other than the fact that they're both horror. Interesting. So what you're saying is when you're adapting the King book, what you get is uh, a skeleton, basically. And it's up to the filmmaker to then put meat on the bones and... And so, uh, presumably, then going through these these films are going to vary wildly uh, based on who is putting the meat on the bones. That's what I'm assuming. Um, and again, I, the whole point of this is to hopefully be proven, if not wrong, then at least interestingly, like off the mark. <laughs> sure. Um, but it, it, it is. I like it, that theory. It, it is something like a lot of these movies are not being made. Like if if Robert Persson makes a movie based on a Tolstoy short story, he's doing it because he was moved by something in the Tolstoy short story to be inspired to write his own version of something. And it like, it, it's going to be a, a process of artistic inspiration. Sure. Most Stephen King books are being adapted because they made a lot of money and studios want somebody to make them into movies so that they can make them more money. And almost nobody involved is going to give a shit what they're, it's going to just be the, the latest bestseller that they're adapting. Sure. Um, I, I could almost guarantee that was Kubrick's relationship to The Shining. I, I don't know, but I bet that, you know, he, the studio had this book and he was like, well, there's something here I can work with. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe maybe way later on you get Frank Darabont or somebody who's a genuine fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm sure some of the other writers and directors are fans of King, too, or they were already reading and they liked him. Mm-hmm. But they're not doing it because they're moved to, they're doing it because that's their job. And with most bestsellers, you know, with, with like I said, Grisham, with Crichton, with, you know, Dan Brown or whatever, you get a plot. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You, you, you can take those books apart because they're plot machines. They're machines to get you from one thing to the next. Sure. To get, and, and that's not what King is doing. Hmm. And so I imagine these people sitting down and be like, all right, well, let's make this latest bestseller, you know, into a movie and sitting down to read it and adapt it and going like, well, shit, <laughs> we don't have a movie. What are we going to do? Um, and and maybe, just maybe not being the kind of people who would be sensitive to what is good in the books and thinking, well, I guess we'll just do more of this horror stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, I will also hold out that maybe some of that extra horror stuff is awesome. Mm-hmm. And, like, maybe they made some dope-ass trashy movies. <laughs> So I, that that is still a possibility too, but that's my general thesis on what's what's at least probably happening behind the scenes, yeah, and why these movies maybe feel the way they do. Yeah, I like that. I like that theory. 
I'm going to try to track it as we watch these things. Uh, I'm going right, so, to it. <laughs> I think our, our next episode, the first, the first you know, episode that we're going to do just one movie. What? Um, uh, we're going to do the original adaptation of Salem's Lot. Salem's uh, Lot. Say, yes. Say, say, Lem Slot. Lem Slot. Uh, we're, we're doing these largely chronologically, but we might shift some things around. For example, we threw Carrie and The Shining together because they're both the big yeah, name directors of big dog films. Who cares? But Salem's Lot actually came out in between. Boring. Uh, which is, but it, it is, I have to say, crazy to me. Going back here, I really thought they were going to be other films in between these. Yeah. But those are the first three. Carrie, Salem's Lot, and The Shining. That was, those are the bonkers. first things adapted from King's work. Yeah. Um, That's why he's so famous now. Yeah, I, they, that is, it's kind of amazing. Yeah. So we're, uh, we'll, we'll get into the, the squishy middle soon enough, but uh, tune in tomorrow for, <laughs> uh, for Synesthesia's Daily Hell to the King. Oh, we're gonna be so tired. Too back. <laughs> you just say I'm so tired. <laughs> we're gonna be, man. We're gonna oh, be. yeah. By day fifteen, I'm just gonna be napping. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll be. This would be good if 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 you out there are listening to this and it's it's announced in a little typed blurb uh, on Split Tooth next to the release that there's only seven episodes of it. Yeah, uh, it's because we we tried our best. Yeah, uh, but we're forced to, to commit ritual suicide by our failure. You know how I'm going to commit suicide? How I'm going to hit Stephen King with a van. <laughs> that's, a, that's a real long game suicide. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll see you guys tomorrow. Happy special presentation of the Synesthesia Podcast, produced by Iguana Donald Studios, and distributed by Split Tooth Media. Music by Loyalty Freak. Hell to the King is recorded before a live studio audience who then becomes dead, when we kill them. Any and all likenesses or resemblances to persons living or dead are purposefully crafted to make you paranoid that we are watching. Always watching. Always. Lawrence Cohen.